Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. I want to welcome each and every one of you back to our series entitled It's Worth It 2.0. I want to welcome all those watching online, our McKinney campus, our Hazlitt campus, maybe someone in a video venue here at the Keller campus. Would you put your hands together? Welcome everybody that's joining us. I want to celebrate with each and every person that's been baptized at any of our campuses and just kind of giving you a, a look from my vantage point. Um, I, just, I just don't want us to ever take it as common or ordinary the lives that are being transformed. You know, ultimately, it's our 20-year anniversary, and one of the things that we continue to prioritize and the things that, that the thing that we just continue to celebrate and, and make the main thing is the transformation of the lives of people in these environments. And uh, I get to sit in multiple services and whatever service this is for you. Uh, we, we started with baptizing um, a young girl going through some health challenges. I got to meet her this weekend. And uh, <clears throat> just told her, her story really touched me. And uh, we don't ever want to lose sight of a young girl finding a Jesus that will never leave her or forsake her and will always be there with her, her story and testimony, you know, out of the mouth of babes. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. And uh, I got to see one of our pastors baptize one of his kids. And... Uh, that's always moving now, um, 20 years, you know, um, a lot of the, the parents that are now baptizing their kids, I watched them and their baptisms and watched them as Jesus was changing their life and watching them get married. It's, it's such a fulfilling thing to see a church that's reaching the next generation, to see a dad who is overcoming addiction issues. I don't know the gentleman that we celebrated at the Keller campus but I want you to know God's, God's doing something amazing in families where dad will step out and say, hey, I'm gonna own what's going on in my life and I wanna lead my family the right way. Um, seeing a, a young man here who plays football for Argyle High School step out and be the first one and say, I'm gonna follow Jesus. You know, this is not ordinary. We don't take it as common or ordinary. We celebrate, we worship Jesus for what he's doing. And I believe this weekend, us doing baptisms is very appropriate for the topic that I want to talk to you about because it's in these kind of atmospheres where we prioritize what I'm talking to you about this weekend that we get to continue to see. Because see, in this It's Worth It 2.0, if you're new, I would encourage you to go back and watch the, the messages. We have five values that we have built on and prioritized. And, and really, there's two things happening. If you're new, we're helping you maybe get in touch with some of the things that we've been prioritizing and focusing on. You say, where does this worth it come from? Well, Jesus gave a parable in Matthew 13, 44, where he talks about a man who finds a treasure in a field, and he buys the whole field just to get the treasure And as such, Jesus in two sentences, 35 words, says something so profound and says the man left with joy. That whole context of scripture is that as you see Jesus talking about his kingdom, he's saying that for some, they miss it. 
Some people see dirt and other people find the treasure. You know, we are a generation of searchers. We're searching for things of value. We're searching for the next experience. We're searching for the next place in our categorization of our chart of to-dos and bucket list. And Jesus is saying, there's a treasure. Don't just see the dirt, see the treasure. And he's talking about his kingdom and he would pray that his kingdom would come here on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus is the treasure, but his way of life and, and that's my heart in this series is that you would see these things that are countercultural and sometimes hidden, but you wouldn't have them just as aspirational things in your life. They would actually become values for you that you would have in your personal life, in your home, in your family, and yes, we are prioritizing those as a church. If you've come and you're touched in any way or you're experiencing something from Jesus, it's because of the treasure of his kingdom, these values that we've held on to for 20 years. And so we've spent some time here at our 20 year anniversary saying that we look back and we're thankful that we found the treasure that is Jesus and his kingdom. But now we look ahead and it's really important to look ahead and to have a time of re-envisioning so that we continue to prioritize the things we see in scripture and to continue to prioritize and make, as I like to say, make the main thing the main thing. Whatever we see Jesus prioritizing, we wanna prioritize. And so that's what this series has been all about, us having this time of celebration and looking forward and holding on to these values. And this week, I wanna to talk to you about a cultural distinctive that is us here at Milestone Church. I call it a cultural distinctive because for some, it may be something they're not familiar with. For others, it could cause some sense of controversy. And I tend to try to stay focused on the main thing. And I don't believe this is a, a, a peripheral issue. It's not a peripheral situation. It's not something that's kind of like, hey, we could kind of just leave that on the sidelines because what we're talking about this weekend influences all of our values, influences all of the culture that you're experiencing here. You may want it to not be a part of it based on some experiences you've had, good or bad, but the truth is we can't leave behind the Holy Spirit. The Holy, the, as we, when we used to have bulletins, you know, COVID took bulletins. I don't know. The printing people probably glad. I mean, my, my creative team probably glad, but we just decided, you know what? We didn't have them for a while. Maybe we don't need them. Some of you may say, hey, I want it back. I don't know. Maybe we will. I don't know. But on our bulletin, the bulletin, the little piece of paper you get before service, I used to say a life-giving, Bible-centered, spirit-filled church. So the word spirit-filled, the, the culture and context of having an openness and an expression of the spirit has been a, a central distinguishing thing about the environment that you're in. In fact, I believe as you walk through the scriptures with me today, you'll see that one of the reasons that I believe we're seeing the move of God that we're seeing and the salvations that we're seeing. And last year we baptized over 500 people. We're on course to baptize more than that this year. And we're seeing 12 to 1500 teenagers on a Wednesday night. I, I believe it's the work of God's spirit among us. And, and because we're talking not about just a force, 63% 
of even Bible-believing Christians believe that in their mind, the Holy Spirit is sort of just an abject force or, a, or, or, or kind of like Casper the ghost or something. They don't have a, an understanding that the reason I say this is not peripheral, we're talking about God himself. We're talking about who God is in the world that we live in today. And I find for the culture in which I preach, and, and maybe you're there, I know I was, like it, it, the, the person of the Holy Spirit was, was kind of like, you know, like when you grow up and you're picking sports teams, you know, and you're like on the playground or something, it's like, I'll take him and I'll take him and, and, and I'll take him and I'll take him. There was always one dude left. You know, you didn't want to be that person. You'd be like, I hope somebody picks me. And you never want them to say, well, y'all can just have him. And it's almost like in our Western, logical, rational, which I would also tell you up front, the Bible's way more third world, it's way more China, way more Africa, way more, way more of, a, of a different culture than our rational, empirical, test tube kind of flow of culture today. It, the Bible is, 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 is pretty radical, really, when you read it for its authenticity of the power in which it's expressed. And, and I think for, for most of us, again, it's kind of like, well, well, we can just kind of not pick that part of who God is. And we sort of say, hey, I pick God the Father, you know, God the Father, I wanna have a loving heavenly Father. I, I mean, Jesus, Jesus, it's all about Jesus. He's the name above every name. Yes, and we don't have to pick. That's all I'm saying to you. We don't have to pick. To receive all of who God is is yes, God the Father, yes, God the Son, but also God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit. And so I wanna give you some of the attributes and foundational truths of the Holy Spirit, what I do know you want is you want more peace in your home, peace in your marriage, you want more comfort in your life when you're going through struggles, you want more power. I don't know if anybody out there would be like, I could use less power. The power, Jesus said, it's better for me to go away, it's to your advantage because I'm gonna leave the Holy Spirit for you to empower you. So, so maybe when we leave the person of the Holy Spirit on the sideline due to maybe it's messiness or some bad experience or our lack of understanding or fear or whatever it is, we're leaving behind so much power, so much peace, so much of who God is when we kind of push that to the side. Here's some foundational truths of the Holy Spirit. He's the third person of the Trinity. The God who is three in one, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is God. He is a person. He is active and working in the world. His roles include, now for some of us, we're more comfortable with some of his roles and less comfortable with others, but when you receive the Holy Spirit into your life, then you gotta take all of who he is. He's a helper. Anybody could use some help? Anybody be like, man, I could use some help in my life. I could use some help in this situation. Well, the good news is the Holy Spirit is the helper, according to John 14. He's a guide to us. I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you go, I don't know what to do. Well, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us direction from God. He's an advocate. He convicts the world of sin, but he's also the advocate that we have. He's the giver of spiritual gifts. <clears throat> yeah, he gives the Romans 12 gifts that you're created with. 
He gives you those gifts of mercy and those gifts of giving, and yet he also gives those gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 that the Bible actually says we should desire, but most people are ignorant of. The Bible actually says, don't be ignorant of these, working of miracles and all those powerful things that happen in 1 Corinthians 12. The Bible says those are a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, words of knowledge, Working of miracles, he gives those too. He gives all of those. In fact, there's chapters there to help us know how to use those in an orderly way within the church. So why would he waste the paper to give us all the ways we should use them in the church if they're not for today? He gives them all. He's the sanctifier. He's the one who gives us the good fruit in our life as we're growing into the image of who God's called us to be. But one of the things that I believe is such a calibrating verse for the Holy Spirit is one given in Acts chapter one, verse eight, where it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. And that's contained in a section of scripture where Jesus, before he ascends into heaven, is giving us our marching orders and that he tells us, how will we be empowered to walk out this calling in our lives? 1 Thessalonians, though, you say, why did you have us turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1? Because not many weeks into now, we are 20 years old, and I, again, I'm doing two things. One, I'm wanting this to be available to you for your personal life, but I believe it's important now as we not only look back to celebrate, but as we're looking ahead to who God's called us to be, we want to hold on to some things. We were in a cafetorium here in south part of Keller. And uh, man, it was like, we had 165 people come to the first service, and then we dropped down to like 74, 75, 73, 71, 65, and uh, people were staying away in droves, you know? And uh, I'd put all my home equity in the church, and I'd put everything I had, and we'd moved our family, and people had moved, and man, this thing's going backwards, you know? And uh, there I am in the cafetorium with a three-piece suit. I don't know why I had a three-piece suit on. It just felt like I should dress up the environment a little bit. But anyway, I was, if I'm being transparent with you, I so celebrate what God has done because I'd love to tell you that I believe that everything would happen. I would hope that it would. I would try to have faith that it would. But how many of you ever had those moments where you're like, Lord, I believe, please help my unbelief. I, I don't know if I, I don't, I wanna believe, but man, it's not looking good. And in those first few weeks, I preached out of this passage. This passage was a calibrating passage. And I saw what God did in the church in Thessalonica. And here's how you start receiving faith from your Bible. When you not only say he did it in Thessalonica, but what if he did it among us? What if he didn't just do it then, but he wants to do it today? So I began to preach on this, not because I was seeing it in reality, but because I was hopeful that the word of God could be performed in my present day and that story could become my story and I preached it with all my heart to 65 people. And here's what it says. For we know brothers and sisters loved by God that he has chosen you because our gospel didn't come to you not simply with words. I'm so thankful that I grew up in a word-based church because it's the word of God that won't return void. There's no competition in the Bible between the things God values, but in some ways we valued the word. 
In fact, some of you, you didn't go to a church where what we just did, there's this expression of worship even of this present day God where we're not singing about God, we're singing to God and we're participating in the process. I didn't grow up in that. We were just kind of waiting for those people that were singing to get finished so we could hear the word. I'm into the word. I don't know about all that other stuff. Get those people off the stage. I don't know what they're doing. And so we had the word, thank God for the word, because the word leads us also, it says here, not simply with words, but also with power. Power with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. And so people early days, we're gonna be a word church, yes. Oh yes, we're gonna, we're gonna preach from the word of God. But are we gonna be in this experiential move of God, the Spirit of God doing what the Spirit of God does, this, this, this connection to God that's present day, yes. We wanna be a word-based environment, but also a spirit-based environment. Let me say this, that's not just a cultural attribute that you should want just in your church setting, you should want that in your home setting. Because a lot of times young people walk away from the things of God, not because they don't know the right information, but they wanna experience the information that they read. And it's the Holy Spirit that's present and active in the world today. And when, the, when you begin to create that atmosphere to invite his presence and his power and to do what it is that he does, he begins to show up and he's the one that changes the hearts. He's the one that brings those things into being. And so a word church and a spirit church, a word home and a spirit home, a word-based life and a spirit-based life. I would say most of the people that I communicate with, whether at any campus or online, or those of you listening to me right now, most of us would lean toward the rational, the logical, the systematic. We would lean away from this yielding of control to the Spirit of God, to the Spirit of God doing what the Spirit of God does. It says this church had both in operation, and this is what happens. He says, you know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with joy, given by what? The Holy Spirit. You're like, I'd like to have more joy in my suffering, in my challenges, in my everyday. It's the Holy Spirit that's the giver of joy. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit says the joy given by the Spirit, and you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. This last week, we had several hundred pastors here that we encouraged, and I just always love to tell you that because it's your generosity gives us the ability as a team to be able to encourage not just Milestone Church, but the church, the church that Jesus is building in the earth. And so they come and it's like, hey, how could we learn some things? How could we get better at what we do? How could we reach our cities? How could we reach our communities? When we were in the cafetorium, there was nobody coming to look to us as a model. There was nobody that knew of us. Nobody knew what we were doing. And as we built along, you say, look, it says here that when the word of God is present and the spirit of God is present, it says you became a model to believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message began to ring out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Amazing. It began to spread in multiple places. He says this, therefore, we don't need to say anything about it. My dad used to say, if you have to say something about what you're doing, you didn't do much at all, really. If you have to talk about what you're doing, let somebody else talk about what you're doing. 
It's not about what we're doing, but it is about what the Word of God is doing and the Spirit of God is doing. And I like to say this, this is better than any t-shirt like we're going to give you on Miracle Offering Weekend. Thank God for a t-shirt. Thank God for a little cake. Thank God for a little celebration. Thank God for the joy sweatshirts that all the ladies wear that I saw in the testimony video. Thank God for any possible way that we can get the message of Jesus out. Better than any online broadcast, better than any post on Facebook, better than anything you give is a changed life by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. A changed life by the Word of God and the Spirit of God, that begins to become known everywhere you go. You begin to see that. It's like a fire that you can't put out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why we tell stories about you. We tell stories about you because what is our prayer? Our prayer is that the word of God would become so real in your life and the spirit of God would become so real in your life that that same power would begin to spread and permeate that there's no need to really talk about it. The changed lives begin to speak for themselves. That's why in our 20 years we've been telling stories, telling stories, telling stories. I'm a life that has been changed by the word of God and the spirit of God. You may want to leave the spirit of God to the side. Man, that's a little bit inconvenient. That can be somewhat controversial. But I tell you, it's not a superfluous issue. It's not a sidebar issue. I try to keep the main thing the main thing. We're talking about God himself. We're talking about the Spirit of God himself who's present throughout Scripture. I'll give you an analogy that I gave on one of those first few Sundays, and I've given it a few times, but for those of you that are new, we're wanting to bring you into the recipe of what God's doing among us. And then here's just an analogy that I thought kind of explains it a little bit so that we can kind of put our hands around it. I like to think about in my early days of faith, I was given a great fireplace, Man, it was a good theological fireplace. It was good, it was solid, it was contained, it was well built. Just one problem, we didn't have a lot of fire. Now, now at youth camp, we let the fire out a little bit, you know? We'd have a once a week, one time a year, you know, where you could kinda like maybe have a little fire, you know, but don't get too carried away, but we're gonna have a little fire maybe one time, one time a year, maybe during a revival or something. I remember as a kid going to youth camp, that's why we have several hundred kids, 1,200 teenagers on Wednesday nights because young people are not just looking for information, they can get that on TikTok. They're looking for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. I remember as a young person thinking, why can't we do church like we do at youth camp every week? Why can't we let God move like that every week? Why can't every week be like that? But we had a great fireplace, no fire. My wife took me to her church. They had a lot of fire. She, was, she, she took me and I thought, man, I don't know. I've heard those people got a lot of fire, man. Them people are crazy, you know? But by the way, you know what I'm saying? It, it really doesn't matter how crazy people look. If the, if the girl's good looking enough, you'll go. <laughs> You're kind of like, man, I don't know. I kind of mess with my fireplace a little bit, but man, you are hot. You are on fire. I'm going with you. And I'll never forget standing in there among people that were doing this. more common today, but I mean, we're talking a long time ago. It wasn't as common, you know, and I thought, man, these people are like crazy people, you know, and there's people raising their hands. Church I grew up in, you didn't raise your hand unless you had a question. It wasn't on the program, so they weren't going to answer it anyway. But I mean, it was like, look, you don't raise your hand in church. You don't, but what are you doing? I looked around. I thought, these people have emotional issues. They need counseling. But boy, I began to see that though not every person 
had all the biblical maturity necessarily to understand a good, solid, systematic, hermeneutic approach to scripture. And maybe they were a little immature in places, but because they desired these things that God offered, they were seeing God kind of results. And I found myself drawn to this atmosphere where there's a presence of God. And though I had a good fireplace, I'd like to see a little more fire. And what I realized was, is you can let the fire be such a degree. That's what happened in the first Corinthian church, by the way. The first Corinthian church was not a church that didn't have any fire. The Bible's about actually, just to be honest, we're actually a small segment historically and biblically of people who come to church as a consumer idea that a guy talks and then we just kind of be, I give it a six. It's actually historically a small segment. The Bible actually, when you really read it, it's way more like China or Africa than it is like our Western mindset. You know, there's, there's crazy stuff in here. Like dead people come back to life, man. Axes, axe heads float. Miracles happen. There, there, there's a miraculous book that you're holding in your hands. And so for me, I though saw that you can have the fire in such a degree, like in the first Corinthian church where the fire gets out, burns the place down before you get it under control. So for us, we decided let's have a fireplace and a fire. Let's have both. I see a picture of that in scripture, the wineskin and the wine, and have the bones and the breath, have the, the, the plan, like we, we know what Jesus said for us to do, we know the mission, we know the purpose, we have discipleship, we have spiritual family, but make no mistake, the atmosphere that you're a part of is not just bones of good strategy, it's the presence of the Holy Spirit moving among his people. It doesn't matter how persuasive the preacher is. It doesn't matter how good the talk is. It's not how, matter how good the Bible study is or how pretty the resource is. If the Holy Spirit doesn't touch the one you love, nothing happens. Nothing happens. It's the Holy Spirit that moves among us and changes the hearts and the lives of people. So you may be saying, okay, what are you saying, pastor? Are you saying, well, what, what, what happens as we interact with the Holy Spirit? Well, one of the, the greatest places for me to show you is I just love the, lives of, the life of the disciples. I, I see a pattern here happening in the life of the disciples. And so the Bible shows us that in John 20, Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, many scholars believe at this moment they are converted. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly. You know, the Bible sometimes is kind of hard to grab a hold of exactly what's happening. All I know is this. If Jesus breathes on you and says, receive the Holy Spirit, something powerful happened. I'm telling you right now. I'm comfortable with believing they were converted in that moment. I'm comfortable believing that when the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you as we read the rest of the New Testament, he's the one that draws you to Christ. He's the one that seals you. He's the one that regenerates you. He's the one that changes you. And if you've received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. He's with you. He's in you. That's what happened to those early disciples. But I wanna show you what I wanna give you a word continuationist. Instead of saying all of this used to happen, all of this did happen, what about if it is still progressively happening in those who are walking with God himself through the person of the Holy Spirit? 
In Luke 24, after breathing on them, he still says, go wait in Jerusalem for power. In Acts 1.8, he says, you will receive the power, which helps us from just burning the place down because the power that you are experiencing is not power for yourself. It's just, it is, there's power from the Holy Spirit to change you, but its ultimate goal is that you might be my witnesses, he says. Then in Acts 2 is the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out. The prophecy of Joel is fulfilled. It comes upon all flesh. In the Old Testament, only certain people had power. Prophets, priests, kings. What a glorious day when the Holy Spirit came down. I see people say, man, I want to experience the Holy Spirit. Maybe he'll fall on me. Here, let me help you a little bit theologically. He already fell. He's already here. He's already present. We're not waiting for some outside force to take place to have everything we need to walk out the plan of God for our life. He fell on the day of Pentecost. Penta, 50. 50 days later after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he comes upon the everyday person, the teacher, the mom, the student, the kid. He can come on any person. It doesn't matter who it is. He comes down on the day of Pentecost. And then in Acts 4, I love this, these same people that have had these progressive workings, they're starting to have some resistance in their lives. They're saying, you can't talk about this Jesus. By the way, I've all, I, I tell you, you say, man, Jeff, I'm not, as, I'm not experiencing as much of the Holy Spirit as I would desire. I'm not, I'm not seeing what I read in my Bible will get further to the edge of Jesus' mission. What you see is when we sit in little laboratories of Christian thought and we just parse around the words of the Bible, you see people begin to get more divided in all of their theological places. But what you find on the mission field, I've been to the underground church in China. I've been in Africa. I've been in a cafetorium. I've been in a furniture store doing church. I've been in a grocery store behind Taco Casa. When you get on the edge where you really need the Holy Spirit, you kind of lay down a lot of your theological barriers. You see it happen on the mission field all the time. People from all different theological backgrounds, they begin to lay down a lot of those identifiers because they come under one banner. We want to see the lost come to know Jesus. We want to see this environment change. And the further you get to the edge of the mission, the more you get desperate for power. I got to have some power, man, because I can't do this in and of myself. They got on the edge of Jesus' mission. They're in a house. That house starts shaking. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says when they were filled, they began to speak the word of God with boldness. We see indications in Acts 8 where they sent Peter and John to pray for them after these are baptized believers. We see in Acts 10, while Peter's preaching, the Spirit of God touches people in that room. It's an amazing thing that happens. Acts 19 in Ephesus they go there and say, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we haven't heard there is a Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you every time I read, I'm talking about the person talking to you this weekend, wherever you're listening from. I, I study the book of Acts with my kids in their senior year. We study it together. I studied it with my older I'm studying it now with Lauren, my uh, senior. High. And as I study it, we studied it together last night. Every time I read it, I'm convicted. Every time I read it, because I can be linear I can be just, and I'm not saying you have to get a lobotomy to follow the Holy Spirit, but I will tell you, every time I read it, I'm more convicted to be more led by the Spirit of God than I am my own wisdom and understanding. Go read it sometime. 
and they were led by the Spirit here. And they were hindered from going there by the Spirit. And they were led by the Spirit here. And the Spirit of God led them here. And the Spirit of God led them there. It's an amazing thing. But I love Ephesians chapter 5. You're saying, Jeff, what are you really saying to me? I'm showing you a progressive work of the Spirit because I find that many people that I communicate with are just like me. We want to defend what the Spirit's already done instead of embracing what he wants to do. We don't want anybody messing. I, at 12 years old, around my family dinner table, I received Christ. He came into my life. And when I received Jesus, I received the full expression of the Spirit. Saved, filled, empowered. He, come, he came to live on the inside of me. And I know when somebody starts talking about, are you talking about subsequent works? Are you talking about progressive work of the Spirit? Are you yes. Some people say, well, I, I received the Spirit in 1973. It's time for another dose of the ghost. You're like, well, I feel like you're messing with what our, if we spent more time pursuing what God has for us and not just defending what he already has done, we might see more power in our lives. I'm not messing with my conversion. I'm not messing with what the spirit of God did. All I'm saying is I look at his disciples and if they needed this kind of encounters with the spirit, maybe if Jesus's disciples who were in Jesus's small group, if they needed it, what do I need? What do I need? Ephesians 5 says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Maybe one reason we have so many people in our culture medicating with alcohol is because you're looking for peace. If you don't have the comforter, maybe you need a substance to temporarily comfort you. So we medicate with substances to make us feel at peace when the Bible says you don't need to be drunk with wine, but you do need to be filled with the Spirit of God. That word filled is important. It's a present imperative. You're like, what does this mean? I know I'm giving you some Greek words here. Present imperative means it's not a one-time filling because present means it's an ongoing thing. It's an imperative verb. You say, why is that important? Because it's not a suggestion. In the Bible, there's times the Bible says, don't do this, it wouldn't be wise. And there's times in the Bible it says, do this. This is one of those, do this, be filled. Be continually filled, be overflowing, be in this place where you're continually receiving from the Spirit. It's passive voice, which means you can't do it for yourself. This is not about just behavior modification. Well, I am going to be more joyful. I, I'm, I'm gonna to try to be more joyful. I'm gonna to try to have more peace. No, 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 you don't have to try. You have to receive from the one who offers peace. You have to receive joy from the one who can give joy. So it's passive voice, and it's second person plural, which means it's for everyone. There in Acts 2, it actually says after Pentecost, this is for you, this is for your children, this is for all who are far off, and this is for as many as they call upon the name of the Lord. It's for everyone. It's for all of us. And so I find that a lot of times we get hung up on three words justification, sanctification, and glorification. The justification part is when you receive Christ. You're like, I just don't feel right. You'll never feel right until you receive Jesus because Jesus is the one that makes you right. You don't make yourself righteous. You receive imputed righteousness from the one who paid the price and lived the perfect life. So you're made right by Jesus and you're filled with his power. You're filled with the spirit of God when you're justified. But a lot of us have only camped out at justification. 
And I'm trying to bring as many of you into this continuationist philosophy. If you believe there's a bucket called sanctification, and I don't have time to preach everything in the Bible about sanctification, but sanctification is the Spirit of God continually working in you. Just because you got saved doesn't mean your mind is renewed to what happened when you got saved. Just because you got saved doesn't mean you have been fully completed into the fullness of everything God wants you to be. There's a work of his spirit in the area of sanctification. So any person who believes that we are saved, we will stand before God and be right and righteous in the name of Jesus and who he is. We are saved, but sanctification says we are being saved. What do you say, pastor? What do you mean by that? The full expression of what happened at the cross is being worked out in our lives. I'm so thankful I'm not what I used to be, but I'm not everything God's called me to be. That I'm continuing to walk out everything he has for my life. And so in this sanctification realm is where the spirit of God, because Jesus has left the spirit of God on the earth to do the sanctifying, to do the empowering, to do the work by his spirit. And glorification is we will be saved one day when we stand before Jesus. And so I know in my own life, when I began to get around people who were more open to the progressive work of the Spirit, I could get a little rustled up a little bit. Now, hold on just a minute now. Don't be messing with my salvation. Man, I don't be messing with my justification. Are you saying that, and here's another one. Paul addresses it in 1 Corinthians. So you're saying you're better than me. No one's saying any of that. What we're saying is everything in the kingdom is a progressive work of his Spirit that there is available to you more in the person of the Holy Spirit that he has for you if you're willing to say, hey God, I want everything that you have in my life. And so I, I love to use this analogy. People say, pastor, are you, are you saying you believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Are you saying you believe in the subsequent work of the Spirit? Are you saying you believe in the filling of the Spirit? Are you saying all of it? Yeah, 100%, call it what you want. We could spend the rest of our lives talking about the difference between baptizo, which means to whelm, and filled, which I'm blah, 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 blah. Yes, yes, I want everything that the Holy Spirit has for my life. 100%, yes. Think about it this way. Are you a follower of Christ? We'd be like, yes. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Yes. Are you a follower of the way? Yes. Are you born again? Yes. That's a whole bunch of different ways of saying the same thing. I think we get caught up in semantics and we trip over ourselves. It's really ultimately that the Holy Spirit is the one who regenerates us and saves us, but he's also the one active and present. How do we receive power from the Holy Spirit? Number one, we believe he's active and present instead of finished in the past. He's not, he, he does things at different seasons in our lives, but he's active and present in our lives today, wanting to bring us to a new place in him. There's three Greek words that I wanna give you. Three Greek words that I see that are part of the, the follower of Christ or the person Christ is pursuing, and that, are, that is these three words. And I have a little analogy using water which the Spirit of God, pneumatology, pneuma being spirit, but sometimes in the Bible analogize with water as well, with is para. It's the Holy Spirit that's with you. you. You can't be converted without the Holy Spirit illuminating the truth of who God is in your life. He's with you. And I love that about the Holy Spirit, man. He'll, he'll just, when he gets your number, you can run, but you can't hide. The Holy Spirit 
that when, when left here on the earth, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. There's nowhere you can go. And what'll happen when he starts pursuing you is you'll just be like, you'll be trying to get away from him and then you'll just run into somebody and they'll be like talking about Jesus and then you'll gotta get a new job. You're like, well, I'm gonna leave all them crazy people over there. You get a new job and then you go, oh my gosh, there's another one there. Oh my goodness. And then you'll get like late night TV and you'll turn it on. There'll be a preacher. If you don't give your life to Christ, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like, he's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's chasing me down. Yes, he is. The Bible says the wicked flee when no one pursues. The righteous are bold as a lion. Let me tell you, you can't outrun God. Man, and he gets your number, then he'll give you a kid that loves God. You know what I'm saying? Then you're in trouble. Daddy, take me to church. How you gonna say no? But I tell you, this concept of him being with you, he will pursue you, but then when you surrender to him, the Holy Spirit comes in you, E-N, in you. But when we see this word epi, we're talking about upon you. He comes upon you, meaning out of your innermost being, not from here to here, but out of your innermost being, he shall flow rivers of living water. And this he spoke of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. Upon you. Think about the difference. I, let's think, let's change the water to Kool-Aid. I know some of you started twitching. Red dye Kool-Aid. We drank it and lived. Extra sugar for me, please devil stole Kool-Aid, man. You know what I'm saying? Red dye Kool-Aid in you, with you, in you, upon you. It's a totally different atmosphere when it's upon you because you begin to see the tangible results and effects of it. Here's the second thing. We ask for and pursue his help in our daily lives. I've given you in this series, all campuses, online, I've given you in this series our values. But we value we welcome the ongoing work of the Spirit of God in our lives, in our homes, and in our church because that's where we get the power for these values to not just be sort of inspirational values, that they become aspirational, meaning I hope we can do those, but they become actual values because it's the Spirit of God that empowers us to live the values. The Bible, you know how many people I meet and say, I don't get anything from my Bible. Well, invite the Holy Spirit. Invite the Holy Spirit's what guides you into truth. When you invite the Holy Spirit into the time that you have with the Bible, if you were open yourself up to it, you would find the Holy Spirit will illuminate and reveal the words of Christ in your Bible reading. Mission. As I said, the further on the mission you get, the more you have a need for power. Discipleship. The ability to understand and discern and to help others and have the motivation because it's slow and it's tedious and it's unnoticed and it's countercultural and it, it's tough, but the Spirit of God is what empowers you to do it. Spiritual family. It's not a matter of if you're going to get offended. It's not a matter of if you have to ask for forgiveness. It's just a matter of when. How do you have the power to forgive or to overlook an offense or not be so self? The Holy Spirit is what gives you the power and the strength to be able to be obedient to God. Spiritual family, generosity. The Bible says we're not to give out of compulsion. We have our miracle offering coming up. And if you're new here, I want every person that's part of the Milestone family, this is a 20 year, this is a moment for us. And you say, what do you, what do you want me to do, pastor? What we've always done as a church. Following God with our resources is part of biblical Christianity. He, he wants to be Lord of that too. So you say, what do you do? The Bible shows us 
that we can be led by the Spirit in our generosity. It's really listen to what the Holy Spirit says and do what he says. Obey him and what he speaks to you. That's when you, I got to give you the mechanics last week of the basics because so many people don't know the basics. But where do you ultimately want to get? To the place of being Spirit-led with everything you have. That the Spirit of God leads you. That the Spirit of God shows you. And when he begins to speak to you, you begin to follow his promptings. I like to contrast a couple of people, Bob and Tom. I thought about it this week. If you have a kid thing going on, I could talk about work. I could talk about anything, but I'll just talk about what most of you care about, your kids and grandkids. And you have a problem with a child. And I can tell you from personal experience that I can be persuasive. And when I discern something, you know, the Holy Spirit will speak to you about your kids. If you're a young person in here, just know this. We don't have to track you on 360. The Holy Spirit's tracking you all the time. Maybe some parents track them on 360, but anyway, they'll just trade phones with their friends and do what they want to anyway. But anyway, they know how to get out of it. But you know what? The Holy Spirit will talk to your parents. It just happens. You'll show up. You can't even, you can't even enjoy your sin. You'll be like, what'd you do? <laughs> it's not about the Holy Spirit not revealing what's going on. It's what do you do? And what I've learned is if I'll let the Holy Spirit, if their mom and I will pray, if we'll begin to seek God and ask the Holy Spirit to show up in the situation, it goes way better than when I just wade off in there trying to fix it. If you have a challenge with a kid, Bob, he springs into action. He's looking for answers. He's trying to find experts. He gets all keyed up trying to fix it himself. Both of which have a Bible, both of which can love God. But I'm talking about how does this work out practically? Tom stops and asks the Holy Spirit for help. Tom stops and says, Holy Spirit, I need you to move in this situation. I need you to show me. I need discernment from you. Did you know one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is the discerning of spirits? So you can see not just the issue, but the spirit behind the issue. And he receives insight and discernment and maybe God gives him a passage that gives him confidence from God. What am I talking about? This is not just some mystical, ethereal thing. It's real, practical, everyday life, the power of the Holy Spirit to walk with you. Here's the third and final thing that I wanna give you. You say, is this a moment, pastor, or is this a lifestyle? It's both. You say, what should I do if the present ongoing work of the Spirit is taking place? What should I do? Well, the Bible tells us very clearly, ask and receive. It's not about what happens or even when you receive Christ, the enemy will tell you, well, that wasn't real or this wasn't real. You, you ask and receive. Luke 11 says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, what is the Bible telling us there? The Holy Spirit is good. This is a good thing. This is not a thing that we wanna to push to the side and not pick on the team. This is, this is a person who can be grieved and we wanna invite him in. It's a good thing is what the Bible's saying. And then it says, will he not give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? So we ask and we receive. Ask and receive. That would be my greatest prayer for you is that you would live in a posture to say, Holy Spirit, I wanna ask you to come into my life. I want you to empower my life. I want you to overflow my life. I want, as Ephesians 5 says, continually be filled with the power and the presence of your spirit to move in my life, to do what it is that only you can do. And I tell you today, I have to have it in my life. I have to have this understanding. I'm so thankful 
that I began to understand a greater awareness of the ongoing work of the Spirit. It's not, uh, you will get to the place where your personality, your drive, your wisdom, your strength will fail you. I was thinking this week, just I've shared with our church along the way in the last 20 years, I've been pretty transparent about challenges. You know, my wife losing a baby, having a daughter who had uh, medical things. I really was touched by the story this weekend because when you walk through medical things with children, you have grace and compassion for people that have walked through it. Lost my father. I was thinking back to the power of the Holy Spirit. You might think, well, pastor, angels just lift you up to the platform every weekend and you just have you know, all confidence in what you're sharing. I was thinking back to when we were behind Taco Casa in the grocery store and my dad had had a surgery and I'd preached the first service that weekend and went, shook hands and went to the back and my mom called and said, they just wheeled your dad to ICU. His kidneys are failing. And I remember having to go preach the next service. And I remember just saying, Lord, I, I gotta have you help me. I can't do this. And there's not even the only time I've ever asked for help, but I'm so thankful that I didn't stay boxed in theologically to a God who used to help, but a God who still helps, a God who still empowers, a God who's still there. We call on him and invite him, Lord, I'm asking you, Fill me with your power, not based on me, but based on what you can do in and through me. I'm gonna ask if you would to stand on your feet. And you may be in that place today where you say, you know what, I've just kind of left this to the side. I lean a little bit more toward my own strength, my own rationale, my own ability, wherever you're listening from. I just want everyone to bow their heads. Maybe you're here and you're at that place where the Holy Spirit's been chasing you and you're tired of running and you just need to say yes to the person of Jesus Christ. He's been drawing you. You just need to say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross, rose from the dead. I accept you today as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm tired of running from you. He's been drawing you and he wants to come on the inside of you and save you. And you just simply tell him, Jesus, I receive you today. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to let us know. Maybe come forward at the end of the service. Let us help you learn how to walk out your faith. But I wanna pray for every person listening to me. Maybe you might just pray a bold prayer like what we read in Luke 11. Just right there where you're at, just between you and God. Holy Spirit, I, I know you're good. And I ask you today, fill me afresh and anew. I open myself up to you. I open myself up to your power. I open myself up, Lord, to what you wanna do in me today. I receive today from your presence and your power and the grace of who you are. Holy Spirit, we thank you today. We welcome you today, Lord, in our lives, in our homes, in our churches. Lead us by your spirit. Lord, we thank you that you help us, that you guide us, that you empower us to be who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.